Welcome to yet another edition of Idaho Catholic Podcast. Today we have John Allen and Mike Roberts. Hello. Hey, John. So today, actually last week, we promised our listeners, and I know they've been waiting on the edge of their, you know, edge of their seats. They've just been doing nothing but sitting pressing refresh on their their podcast application to get our next episode uh, so they can find out what to do, what specific items they can do to counteract the seven capital sins. Um, Because we we talked about, you know, pride goes with humility. So if you're dealing with issues of pride, then practice your humility. But we didn't actually give any specific things and examples of things you can try. Uh, same. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, be humble. Just do that. Okay. It's like, you know, one time I went to the dentist and he's like, this is years ago. And he's like, Mike, you are grinding away your teeth. What, what are you drinking there? Is that a glass of wine? No. Oh. It's a wine cooler. Wine cooler. Oh, okay. Well. Whatever. <laughs> I've got water, I guess. I should have thought ahead. Of course, I'm doing this Exodus 90 program. Uh, so I can't I can't have any alcohol anyway, so but don't don't worry about me, you know, just go ahead and drink away. I'll enjoy my Everybody water. Knows. Everybody knows <laughs> then that it's not uh it's not real Catholic uh Catholicism if you're if there's not alcohol involved. Right. In <laughs> you know, I remember when I first converted and I went on a camping camping trip outing with a bunch of other Catholic families and coming from a Protestant realm where drinking was kind of taboo. Um, didn't they really think of it as a sin per se, but just not something wise people do, I, I, maybe you'd say. Anyways, so we would kind of do it in secret with people you already knew who, who drank. <laughs> not, not that we're out, you know, bar hopping or anything, but just... Anyways, but anyways, so we're at this camping trip and um, one of the, I said, and some of the other guys, I, I brought a couple beers in my cooler and I was going to like try to covertly drink them. You know, <laughs> I'm such a newbie being a Catholic, right? And I'm at another guy's campsite and he pulls out, you know, some beer and he asks me, hey, you want a beer? And I'm like, oh, we can drink here? And he's like, what are you talking about? Don't you know that wherever you find f- four Catholics, you'll find a fifth? <laughs> uh, anyways so back to my story i, I digressed with from pride to the dentist to camping and drinking now back to i want to come up a level to uh, back up a level to my uh, dentist story he goes mike you've been grinding your teeth i can tell because you have excessive wear on your molars and i'm like like i do i didn't know that and he's like you know, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, I'll have to figure it out. And he says, he, t- he says, you're probably stressing out. Do you have a stressful life? And I'm like, I was in college. And I'm like, well, yeah, I stress over my classes and stuff. He's like, oh, well, stop stressing. There, I, I solved your problem. <laughs> right. That's kind of what we did last week, you know. Oh, you're dealing with pride? Oh, well, be humble. There, I solved your problem. <laughs> now yeah, you're a saint. Yeah, it's the other one where the guy goes to the doctor and says, "Say, doctor, it help You know, it hurts when I raise my arm above my head." He says, "Don't mm-hmm. do that." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nowadays it'd be here. Here's a pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I uh, take too many pills, doctor. Well, here's a pill to. <laughs> yeah right. So I've had this DVD from from Father Baron. 
Yes, I said Father Baron, because when he made this DVD, he was just a father. Um, Today's Bishop Baron. But anyways, so I got this DVD called, uh, years ago, called uh, Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Lively Virtues. And the, the items I'm going to bring up today are pretty much almost 100% plagiarized from that DVD. So just in full disclosure, if you want the, the eloquent Father Baron version of, of this, then I would highly recommend getting that DVD. It is amazing. And Father Baron is, Bishop Baron is just very eloquent, very well-spoken, and has a knack for being, he's just a really good speaker. So he's got a really good way with words. And his knowledge, he's one of those people that I say, he's dug the well deep, meaning he has lived, you can tell he's lived a lifetime of, of, of study, and it shows in, in, in his knowledge, what he knows. So anyways, mm-hmm. pride, he says, when, when he, he talks about how pride is a turning yourself into God. And if you think about, you know, when Satan, what, what did Satan say? He says, I want to be God. Um, I want to make myself into God. And he talks about how he says, uh, um, as St. Michael comes and then what, what is my name? Actually, you know, my name's Michael, which I know means who is like God. And so Satan says, I want to be God. And then my St. Michael who cast him out of hell says, who is, who is like God. <laughs> and so it's like his response is, is who is like God. I always thought of it as, you know, Michael, who is like God, like I kind of like I had this name that meant I am like God. <laughs> <laughs> and British Barham comes in and he says, you know, he phrases it as a question. St. Michael says, who is like God? And he talks about how they don't fight, you know, the angels, they don't have bodies. They're not fighting each other with swords. They're not fighting each other with machine guns, right? They're, they fight each other with their minds with knowledge. And so when we act out in pride, we are trying to make ourselves like God, making, making ourselves into a God. Right. And he talks about how, what does, what does Mary say when the angel Gabriel appeared to her with this plan you know, I, I, the, the pride says, I'm in charge of my life. I determine my existence. And when, the, when Gabriel told, came to Mary and, was, and gave her this radical plan, instead of re- responding with, I'm in charge of with my life, I don't want to go down that path, she says, yes, how is this going to happen? Tell me how this is going to happen, even though it seemed impossible. And so, right. you know, that's the exciting way to live your life is in humility and docility to our creator, not in a prideful way of I'm going to figure out things on my own. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I don't care what God says about me. Yeah. If I can jump in there too. That- yeah. Yeah. 
So in RCIA tonight, we were talking about justification and merit and how Catholics view the justification for salvation and the merit of salvation versus like Protestant uh, understanding of it. And so like what you were saying is, is that, um, you know, a, a prideful, sinful approach at it is that I've got this figured out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to base my justification on me and what I've done and what I've, uh, you know, I've done all of these things or I, I based on my faith alone, um, I'm, I merit salvation. Right. Versus the, the Catholic understanding of it is, is that, no, everything's based off of what Jesus did, you know, so the asking the who versus the, you know, the, the what, mm-hmm. who did, who did what and who is justified and who merits it? Well, Jesus does. Yes. And, and we only merit it through a gift, uh, you know, a divine uh, grace and gift through God uh, that, that we are justified through our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did, uh, which merits uh, this right relationship with God. And yeah. So, so, yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah so, for Ephesians 2, 8, though, says we are saved by grace. You know? Right. And not by works, by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. For we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So there is a participation in that, but no, no better is salvation uh, um, communicated as a grace by how we baptize babies. They have, they can do no works to earn salvation. Right. They can't do a single thing to earn salvation, a baby. Yeah. But yet, through the, the waters of baptism, they are renewed and given sanctifying grace. Yeah. For sure, we're going to be judged on our works, but it's not by our works alone that mm-hmm. we merit salvation or, or that we're justified. It's right. That, uh, yeah, it's the the things that we can do. This grace acting in uh, in right relationship with God, doing the things that He asks of us, um, and doing it for His glory. Do you know works merit anything? Yeah. And spe- speaking of works, that actually leads into what I was going to say next. So one of the things that 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 Satan said is non servia. He spoke Latin, by the way. Really? Non-Servia. <laughs> and, I, you know, I will not serve. And he, what is humility? Humility is making yourself a server, a servant. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, humility isn't something like, oh, woe is me. I am nothing. You know, I can't do anything. That's actually false humility. That's not true humility hum- humility is recognizing who you are and 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 serving in the greatest capacity that you can that god has given you right it's not a you know a a a um yeah it's not it's not, it's not like what, what i was just saying it's not a oh i am nothing i i am i am so unworthy i, I can't do anything and someone asks you to do something you're like oh no i can't do that i'm not good enough i'm not worthy enough you know it's it's using the talents that God has given you to serve one another, to serve others. 
Right. So he talks about two things. So, so here's where we get specific. Two things that you can do. Specific things. Okay, so purposefully take the lower place. Purposefully take the lower place. If you're struggling with pride and let's let's say and we're both we're both men, we both have jobs and work, right? So, you know, there's this promotion coming up or there's this really exciting opportunity. And recommend someone else to do it. If you're struggling with pride and that would be a source of pride, you know, if, if you are constantly trying to get ahead, trying to prove that you are better, then then purposefully take the lower place. Recommend someone else for that that promotion. You know, couldn't you use that in driving every day? You know, just think of all the times. I talked about it, uh, I think, in the last uh, uh, episode or a couple of video, uh, episodes ago, talking about how I got stuck in watching YouTube videos and wasting my time, like in looking at bad drivers. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. So really, I mean, what, what better way uh, to practice that is that while you're on your commute, practice humility of, yeah, of course you could go ahead of somebody or cut them off or whatever. But instead of doing that, step back and mm. allow, allowing that person to go ahead of you. It doesn't mean that, uh, it doesn't mean the guy's not an idiot. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, he, he can't drive or, or that he, he didn't cut you off. It doesn't, it's not saying anything about that at all. It's being that, bigger person by stepping back and being humble and, and letting mm-hmm. it go. That is so hard. They it just is. added in. Yeah, yeah. They just added in this, uh, along the, the road. The, there's a, this highway where I live and I'm, to get into town, I have to take this, this highway. And it was a single lane the whole way. And they added in now at each intersection, they added in these, um, like right turn lanes. And then on the other side of the intersection, it's a merge lane, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and it just drives me nuts. These people now, it's actually made it more dangerous, I think, to drive down this, this freeway because people, like the, the light turns red, okay? There'd be like five cars stacked up all in the left lane, right? And then that right turn lane slash merge lane, you know, people will, when the light turns green, they'll jump over there and like speed around everyone. Or if, if there's, they'll, they'll, you know, if traffic's moving along and lights green, they'll jump over there and like speed through the intersection and then merge, merge in. And what do I want to do? You know, when that happens, when I see, I can see it happening. I want to like tailgate the person in front of me and like squeeze that person out into the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I've just had to force myself, like, you know, this is not worth it. It's not, it's totally not worth it because, um, not only I, I, I'm endangering myself and my kids and my wife if if I try to get all huffy with that, but maybe they're just in more of a they're they're just in more of a hurry than I am. Um, no, no, there's no need to get worked up over it. Just let them let them go. Yeah, the, you, know? you you never consider what might be going on in that car or what that person might have been going through that day. Yeah, and so they might be having the the worst day of their life. And you might have been having the best day of your life, you know, yeah, uh, or vice versa. 
but the other thing too is we'll see it in in merge lanes uh like on the freeway um so you'll have uh say like a merge lane all the way on the left hand side and it's going to go from three lanes down to two lanes and so traditionally especially in idaho people will merge over to the right two lanes and get out of that merge lane. They won't use the whole length of the merge lane. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have two miles worth of open lane <laughs> yep. and then two lanes that are completely dead stopped. Um, and so instead of using that merge lane to move all the way forward, like you should, <laughs> and actually studies have been shown that if you do use that merge lane, like you should move yeah. all the way to the front and then merge in and use it as it was designed to do, uh, traffic will actually move smoother rather than what everybody does is they try to merge over two miles before the end of the merge lane. And so anyway, you'll see uh, the other people in the other lanes that are all stopped, you know, mm -hmm. ang angry at the people in the merge lanes that are, you know, I'll, I'll see semis that'll pull halfway out in the yes. lane and block full lanes of traffic just so those people don't get ahead of me. You know? Yes. <laughs> those like, people are so prideful. I'm so glad I'm not like that. Yeah. I don't ever, <laughs> ever do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just, just in that, uh, what, a, what a great exercise in, in uh, trying to put that into practice of, of just being humble and how yeah. that works against pride. And then, you know, applying that to other areas of your life, like you mentioned about, you know, the promotion or, you know, something else that's going on of, of uh, you know, sharing the wealth a little bit, if you will. Right, right. And that's kind of a, it's a principle that I learned in, uh, when I was, uh, I'm, big, I'm a big fan of the Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the principles that he talks about or habits is uh, having a mindset of abundance instead of a mindset of scarcity. Abundance says there is plenty of recognition to share, right? There's plenty of opportunity to share. So let, like, let's recognize others. Let's recognize this person or that person. I don't need to have all the recognition. You know, someone else can have that too. There's, there's plenty to go around. And so I don't have to feel threatened if someone else is recognized. Okay, actually, and that kind of gets into envy, come to think of it, which we'll get to next. So, so another thing you talked about is love the simple oh, things. And real, okay, real quick, love the simple things was the second specific item he said. So and he used the example of a, a kid, a, a small kid, um, getting down on the ground and looking at a bug, or getting down, looking at a flower, or um, Here's one. Here's one. How about Jordan Peterson? You know, his seven rules for life. He talks about one of the rules is pet a cat. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, it's a, you know, it's a, you have to expound on that. Take it, take it to whatever your cat is, right? You know, take time to enjoy the simple things because a, a prideful person will get caught up in supposedly lofty, heavy, important things, right? And take time for the simple things to slow down and, and do something, you know, simple. Some would argue that I'm a simple person and that's my entire, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my entire experience in life. <laughs> yeah. 
but I digress. <laughs> I'm a simple person. I just drink Bud Light. That's good enough for me. <laughs> All right. So any, anything else on pride you got? No, let's move on to MD. Okay. So I'll end with, well, let's end pride with this quote from Dr. Barron. He says, let the God doctor, I guess he is a doctor, but father Barron, let the God of the universe determine your existence, not yourself. All right. Envy. Um, Envy being sorry at another person's good. Saying, I need praise. I need to be recognized. And here's one. So this is kind of funny. You know, when someone comes to you and says, um, oh, hey, did you hear about so-and-so and and this great award they got? Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? This this so-and-so got this this awesome award and they got this big – this big uh, uh, check for it, and, and they won this all this money, and isn't that awesome? They got first place, and you're kind of like, yeah, that's that's great. I'm I'm so happy for that person, you know. <laughs> but then flip it around to like, ooh, did you hear what happened to John? Oh my goodness, he totally messed up on this big time. Yeah, check this out. And then what, what's your response to that? You're like, ooh, tell me more about it. Tell me more about it. Come sit down. I want to hear all about this. You know, <laughs> tell me all about how John messed up. And, you know, it, it's envy drives us to do the most, the most terrible things. Think of Cain and Abel. And now Cain was totally envious and jealous uh, of Abel that it would drove him to actually kill him. So envy leads us down some really, really bad roads. So stop, stop looking at other people that way. Stop looking at other people that way, you know, and uh, that's, that's what back to just stop doing it. Right. That's not, that doesn't, that's not quite helpful enough. Um, and I want to talk about the, the same thing with, have a have a mindset of abundance rather than a mindset of scarcity. So the antidote for envy is admiration. Didn't did you have a different one? There's several different words that can be used. I mean, they all kind of mean the same thing. Was was the one that you talked about in last week's podcast? Was it admiration or was it a different word? Um, Remember? I don't know if I used admiration. I thought it was something else. No. Um, so envy would be, you know, loving uh, or uh, loving the good as, or loving the other as other. So appreciation of, uh, of what they've accomplished. Um, I think I used the example of, uh, you know, say like one of your children, um, you know, is awarded some prestigious, you know, receives some prestigious award or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wins some kind of money or whatever. Would you be jealous of them? No. You know, if they shared it, it'd be great. (laughs) But (laughs) no, I mean, you would never be jealous of them that they, uh, of their, say, performance they did or, you know, 
they're able to do some kind of trick or, you know, they, they've, uh, say they excel in a class, uh, you know, in, in math class or, you know, something like that, where you would maybe somebody else, you'd be kind of envious of them. Like, Oh, they get, it's just so easy for them. And, and it's so difficult for me. And, and I just wish bad things for them and good things for me, you know, and instead of taking a perspective like that, taking a perspective of how you might look at your own, um, your own child of how happy you would be. Yes. Um, of, of how fortunate that is. Yeah. And likewise, when, uh, you know, negative things befall the other person, you go to them with a, or you, you approach it with a, uh, perspective of, of respect and, um, joy, true joy over their success yeah. and, and true heartfelt emotion at their failure, you know, being yeah. supportive, if you will. Yeah. He talks about, uh, well, so there's a, for, for, for every one of these, um, Bishop Barron has a Marian example of how she acted out the, the virtue, the, the correct virtue for this. Um, so it talks about one of the things that I was thinking of, cause he talks about how, you know, give us an example of water cooler talk. So if you're at work and you're around the water cooler and you've got like four or five people there that you've kind of formed a click with and they, you know, everyone likes to talk about so-and-so who's terrible at whatever, right. Or has this bad character mm-hmm. defect. and how he says to counteract that he says, praise someone that you're envious of. So you're on the water, you're on the water cooler and um, you know, there's one person that this particular click you're part of. There's, more, there's always a few people, or at least one person that everyone there dislikes everyone there can't stand. And so they start gossiping about that person and it's up to us to counteract that with admiration, right? You can almost always find something good in that person. So I started doing that, and uh, I think we lost you for a second there. I just kept going, my uh, John. No, that's okay. uh, so I, I started. I started doing that. I started when we were around the water cooler, and some people started started gossiping about or uh, another person in the office. I started counteracting that with just something I admired that person for. And then I found, I found that it would completely shut down the conversation and it would help people to look at that person in a different light. And I'm not saying it always worked, but whatever. And I, I found myself trying to use this in my, in my own mind as some, some, like some of my people I, I worked with. Um, hopefully none of them will think I'm talking about them, but cause I'm not, <laughs> If, you, if any of my coworkers happen to be listening to this, I don't, I don't know. But anyways, um, I started thinking about, especially some of the, well, some of the people that bugged me that I worked with. And I, I started thinking about this in a Robert Barron, Bishop Barron t- type of way of <laughs> what do I admire? What, what can I admire in that person? And I found that oftentimes not only was there plenty to admire, but what they were, what I was admiring them about and in was something that I was actually defective in or wasn't quite up to my own standards in. And so 
what I was doing, I was, I was acting out my own deficiency because I, because I saw something that they had, I didn't, I would hate them for it. Yeah. And so once I recognized that, I was like, wow, that's something that they're, I shouldn't, I shouldn't hate them because they're better at, I'm hating them because they're better at something than me. That's just, that's just, that's immature. That is just wrong. And it, it reminded me of Paul's in the book of, uh, what is it? I think it's First uh, Corinthians 13, 10, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there. He talks about the body of Christ and how we're all called to be, we're call, all called to have different strengths. We're all called to, to, div, to have, to represent the body of Christ in different ways. You know, and you can't have, you can't have the hand and the feet arguing, arguing with each, with each other and, you know, trying to separate from the body and go and live on their own um, because they'll die. And so we have to recognize and admire all of the good qualities and the good things that happen um, with the, the other people in the body of Christ, not only the body of Christ, but just in the world in general and the people you interact with, you know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And when we put ourselves together, um, that's when we can become whole. And that's when the body of Christ is whole. So when the body of Christ, when people in the body of Christ are sinning, um, that affects everyone. And, and then in the same, in the same way, the strengths that others have bring the body of Christ makes us more holy, makes right. it more holy. So, yeah, we're, we're together. We're stronger and, you know, apart that we're weaker. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. That was, that was one thing that I was, it, it's always difficult to try to try to explain these sometimes. And, and that, that reminder that we're all, you know, part of the body of Christ, you know, that we are the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears and all of these things that, that we might look to other, um, yeah, appreciate how well the ear hears. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we're going to be jealous of how the ear hears. No, that's what the ear is supposed to do. You know? Exactly. We all don't want yeah. to. Yeah. You know? Right. That would make things pretty boring if we all were doing the same exact thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So the Marian example of this is at the wedding feast at Cana. Okay. So here's something that is awful. Okay. This wedding's going on. It's a big celebration. How am, you know, this, these things lasted for several days and how embarrassing would it be to one of the most central things of the party is of the wedding of the feast is wine and they're running out. What would I have done? I would have gone around. Oh my gosh. Can you believe they're out of wine? Dude, this is going to be bad. But no, Mary didn't do that. She goes to Jesus and says, Hey, they're out of wine. You need to fix this. Not, not going around. Check this out, guys. They're out of wine. Isn't that terrible? Oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, let's watch how bad this fails. Right. And so even knowing that, Jesus would have to begin his, this, this would make, um, this would launch his ministry, meaning that she is going to lose her son. That was the the beginning of the end. Yeah. You know, in human, in human terms at the beginning of the end. 
Um, this is how you want me to start it? <laughs> right. And she's, and he's like, you know, you know what's going to happen here. Uh, yeah. I, and he didn't want to do it either. He was kind of like, I, I don't want to leave you, mommy. <laughs> I like this gig. Yeah. But he did it anyway. All right. So that's envy. So admire. All right. So last one for this episode, anger. Oh, Lordy. Anger. Yeah. So this one is don't be angry. Yep. How do we do this one? (laughs) (laughs) Irrational desire for revenge. You know, someone has to stop the cycle of violence. I I told me, so I've had this DVD forever, you know, right. And, and, and so when my kids get into start fighting, I'm, I tell the, I usually tell the older one that to stop, you know, and they're like, well, he he did this. Well, then you did that. And then he's going to do that. And he, and you're going to do this. And someone has to stop the cycle of violence has to get in the way. Um, and I, I'll go into a long lecture. I don't do this. I haven't done this in a while because it's totally futile. I'll go into a long lecture about, you know, headhunter tribes in the Amazon, you know, and how they, they just keep fighting each other. And, you know, someone kills someone, someone kills someone from the tribe and they go kill someone from the other tribe and they just keep going back and back and forth. And someone has to stop, has to get in the way and, and, and stop that. the, you know, you know, when you're angry, you are, you're actually not, you're, you're, you're in fight or flight mode, meaning you are not engaging your frontal cortex. So you are not thinking rationally. Anger is irrational desire for revenge. You're, you're not, you're not thinking clearly. And it's like this example I heard of, like, if, if everyone can lift up your hand Lift up your hand up by your face, okay? Make a fist and put your thumb inside your fingers, okay? This is your brain, normally, when you're thinking clearly, right? And when you become angry you, and you flip your lid, so raise up your fingers now, leave your thumb underneath. So you flipped your lid and you're not thinking clearly because now the top part of your brain, which is your fingers, is now up. It means it's not it's not on the bottom part of your brain, which is your your little thumb there, your your cortex. That that is your instinctive fight or flight mode, and that's what you're operating under. So you got to bring those fingers down and think clearly. Hmm. So when your kids are like out of control, crazy, they flip their lid, <laughs> and you got to get them to bring that down. You have to teach them to to, to regulate themselves because they're, they're dysregulated. And so, but that's a human condition, not just a kid condition. I think it's more punch the wall like this. They'll do it one time. <laughs> yeah, break their thumb. Yeah, I know. So you have to, you have to, you have to get into thinking mode. How do you do that? That's a question. I'm waiting anticipating i haven't i haven't got there yet oh <laughs> no well one of the one of the techniques though that i 
um, have heard from a parenting parenting class I, and book I've read called uh, Trust Based Relational Intervention, and they talk a lot about how you know kids from troubled troubled areas, kids from, from struggling areas, um, they are in they are in a fl- fight or flight mode. They're in a survival mode. Um, and they're not, they, they're not using that top part of their brain most of the, most of their lives because they're just trying to survive. And so what you have to do is teach those kids to learn how to regulate themselves. So one of the ways you do that is by lots, lots of practice while you're calm so that while you are not calm, you can go back on, on, on what you can, you know, replicate what you did in practice. So doing things like um, finding, finding ways and things that make you calm. Some of the stuff they had are like uh, uh, exercise. So exercise can, can release that, get you thinking again. Um, doing, and some of this stuff is kind of silly, but like learning some pressure points. Like uh, when you know when you think of someone's angry they, they or sad, they put their hands up to the, and cover their faces because you're touching some pressure points on your face. Um, and so, like one of one of the pressure points is around your eyes and your temples, so you can kind of squeeze in there. Another one that's really good is right underneath your nose, like making a mustache with your finger, just kind of pressing in right there. That's another calming thing. Um, Another thing is uh, quiet, dark places. And so anyways, you, you experiment with what, what makes you calm. So, and you can even get uh, to practice to find out what works for you is getting like playing, playing something that makes you, it doesn't have to be anger, right? It can be also just something that makes like, uh, I'm trying to say here, even like happy things, just being excited and running around and jumping up and down and stuff. Um, and then try to calm yourself down from that. So anyway, the whole, my whole point with, by that was by practicing what makes you, what, what makes you calm and brings you down when you all already are calm. And then when you're, when you're angry, you can, you can fall back on that. But so that 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 was that was Mike Roberts. Bishop Barron says forgiveness. Forgiveness is the antidote for anger. And talks about how, you know, the 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 saying forgive and forget, you know, is one of the things that's that's people kind of a cliched thing that people often say. That's a great start. But you have to move on to actually ending the cycle. Of violence talks um, so one of the verses was in Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 where G- this is the from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but I say to you do not resist one who is evil but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek turn to him the other also and if anyone would sue you and take your coat let him have your cloak as well And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to him who begs from you and do not refuse him who would borrow from you. 
You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I should have skipped that last verse, that, that, that last sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, that's a very difficult one because it's, uh, you know, what, what's an alternative for anger is to approach it uh, through love, like uh, as Jesus would approach it. And that's, that is, um, you know, pray for those that you're angry. Um, go to prayer right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the minute you start getting your ire up, start praying right away. Offer that up uh, in uh, and a plea for help. In, yes, uh, navigating this at that point in time. I, I yep. think a lot of times, if we could just do that, if we could just take uh, you know a half a second prayer instead of uh, exploding right away. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, and that's one of the things that, one of the things that I, I discovered is, is that if I'm not right with, I don't, if I don't feel like I'm, I'm right with myself and right with God, that's when the anger tends to pour out of me. Um, and that's because I know that there's a disconnect inside me, so I don't feel good about myself, and so I lash out. And one of the ways I found to overcome that has helped me a ton is by, getting up early in the morning, I get up at 5 a.m. and I start my day with God and I, that sets the tone for the rest of the day. That, that helps me feel like, you know, it's, it's, it, it helps me feel like I have connected with God today. You know, it, I, I'm okay. It's okay. It's going to be a good day. And then even when it's not a good day, I still have that to, to, to fall back on. And it's like food for my soul that keeps me going throughout the day. Yeah. Right. Right. So Bishop Barron gave three things, specific things to do. He says, do something today to end a broken relationship. He talked a lot about, you know, how there'll be families. He gave an example of one time he was at a funeral and after the funeral that, you know, he said mass at and he's greeting people on the way out. And his, one of the, the, one of the, the kids said to the brother, so his mom that died and the, the brother told the sister, you know, now that mom's dead, this is the last conversation we'll ever have. And like mom was just the only thing holding them together. And it's like years and years and years of just strife an anger toward one another and you know don't let things go like that do something today think of think of a broken relationship that you have and go do something today to fix that relationship yeah next thing was 
forgive quickly. Don't let things fester. Don't wait. Just like the Amish, the, the Amish group where this is, this was a while ago where a man broke into an Amish school and like killed a bunch of kids and the families of that Amish community. And then this man killed himself after he, he killed the kids and the family of that Amish community went immediately to the family of the killer and forgave them. They went right away. Didn't waste any time. So forgive, forgive quickly. Do not let, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Scripture says. The last thing he says is get in the way, get in the way of anger. Be, he talks about letting that anger be spent on you. Get in the way of it. Hmm. I forgot the Marian example of this. Oh, no, no. It was um, the finding of Jesus in the temple. So Mary, after three days of <laughs> Joseph looking for Jesus, he said, you know, think of her mild response compared to what you would have done had it been your kid who was off in la-la land, you know, doing whatever he wanted to do while you were, you know, not thinking of you, not worrying about yeah, your <laughs> yeah. And she just, she says, oh, you know, she says, um, your father and I have been looking for you. I mean, I'd have been like, you little brat. I, do you know how long we've been looking? Do you know all the places we've gone to look for you? Do you know how worried we've been? <laughs> you know how much money we just spent on these hotel rooms for this past three nights? We didn't budget for that. <laughs> <laughs> Consider her mild response. Yeah. Well, and consider his too. Mm-hmm. No. And how he, he went home with them and was uh, uh, obedient. And grew in wisdom and stature. Right. Yeah. So those are uh, very helpful hints on those first three. That's a great start. Yeah. We'll have to pick it up next week. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Keep going with it. Yeah. Next All right. week, big thing coming up next week is Ash Wednesday. Yes, indeed. What a great time to be, to be working on, on sin. Yeah. A great time to be thinking about how you become holier. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's close with that. Um, remember, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, what Paul says. And also remember, if you are struggling with sin, if you are struggling with the cross that the Lord has given you, remember that he could not carry his cross himself. He had to get help. So St. Simon of Cyrene, Pray for us. Good night, everyone.
Good night. See you next week. <laughs>